Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome back to Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast. Not for a race recap. We will have a Tour de Swiss podcast tomorrow. This is a Netflix series recap. Are we branching into movie and film reviews or TV show reviews? Tour de France Unchained, as promised. Benji and I binged it, not over the weekend. We did it straight away when it dropped last Thursday <laughs> at 9 a.m. European time. And we've got some stuff to talk about. We want to go through the series, what we liked, what we didn't like. This is going to be full spoiler mode. So really, I mean, I presume if you listen to this podcast, you also watch the race. So it's kind of curious having a spoiler warning because um, the race already happened. But if you haven't watched the series and you want to watch it without our thoughts, watch it first. Come back to this pod when you are good and ready. There's plenty of time between Tour de Suisse and Tour de France. Benji, how did you watch it? One sitting or uh, one day? Uh, one day, yes. Damn, Not necessarily went, one sitting. I, I think I had a, a half an hour pause in between the, the episodes. I think after episode three, I paused for half an hour, but the rest I watched completely. And yeah, that was my experience. I also realized directly that, okay, eight episodes, I can binge this before I start watching The Dauphiné, which was on that day starting at three. So I made sure that I could watch it completely before the Dauphiné. That was my goal. Fair enough. I'd already watched the first two episodes. You're going to have to brush me up because I forgot what happened in them. And yeah, we're going to go <laughs> through what we liked, the commentator choices, the editorial choices, what the drama, who was villainized, did Pagatch's absence affect it? What do we think will happen next year? And yeah, just the structure of the episodes as well. But if you don't know, it, it basically started, it focused on the team. So that's the format, Benji. It focused on, originally it was supposed to be eight teams, yeah. uh, I believe. And then Bora Hansgrohe got cut out uh, for whatever reason afterwards. And so there's eight episodes. And it was like, the first one is Quickstep and EF. The second one is Yumbo. And I don't even know. Yumbo got a lot of, a lot of uh, time on, on camera well, this series. Deservedly. <laughs> I mean, they're all right. And then it was the French <laughs> The French episode was AG2R and FDJ, the third one. Then the Grenoble stage. So that was kind of different. The fourth episode was Ineos Jumbo, but it was really about the stage. And we'll yeah. circle that episode for, is that how they're going to do it next year? Fifth was EF Ineos again. Sixth was Alperson. And I can't remember. Seventh was Godu against Ineos. And eighth was Fabio against, I don't know. It's kind of a Champs-Élysées one. So... I don't think they stuck too rigidly, Benji, to the uh, two teams per episode. It was some of the episodes I felt were guided by a specific race event. I think so as well. And some episodes were guided from the events and some were guided by the riders and the, the conflict that was created in the race itself, which is a good thing. For example, when we saw the announcement of the Netflix series, we were thinking about the Tour de France of the year before, 2021, when we already saw opportunities. The Landry no started with Alaphilippe. The day after where Vanderpool took the yellow jersey on the Mur de Bretagne. Yeah. Those were events where you can build a, an episode of those two, two characters. Now, Imagine the Poulidor episode in, exactly. purple, in those purple clutch jerseys. And I want to bring that up because 
then we get to this episode one that you mentioned, which has Jakobsen Sprint and Bissiger Stamtrol, and I'm like, that's a lot weaker than if the series would have started with an Alaphilippe Lander No and Vanderpool Muda Britannia episode. Because that's the episode that is supposed to get people into it. You think that's why they focused a lot on also adding montages of what's to come to make sure that people don't think that that's it? I think they thought the Jakobsen crash was going to hit play better than it now maybe it does with people that never saw it before i think they thought it was going to play better but yeah the problem with jakobson is you know great for his recovery but he's also a pretty stoic guy he ain't gonna cry on camera for you he ain't gonna talk about how traumatized he was he's just like yeah i'm back had a bad crash now i'm sprinting for the win again like i I, and i respect him for it that's the mindset you need to have but for the cameras that I don't think that played as well. And in Bissiger, first of all, he wasn't even a top three favorite for that TT. Yeah. I, I thought that was, and, and that's a, again, an editorial choice where they pre-decided to focus on two riders on each team. But I think that was Rigo and Paulus on EF. So to focus on Bissiger, why wouldn't you focus on Magnus Kaur? Charismatic, says crazy shit, good looking, got the yeah. mustache, actually won their stage at the Tour de France. Does the helicopter after the stage wins? Maybe you can't show that. You have to bump the rating up. He's the guy. I mean, I know like a lot of the fans, you know, they've said, oh, like Court is, yeah. I think he's a bit more appealing than Bissiger. So that was a, a an interesting choice. And uh, yeah, I, I, think, I do think episode one was a little bit weaker than um, say three or five. Now we've already skipped forward to talking about the content a lot, Sorry, but I do yes, want to format. talk about the, about the format of the stage for a tiny bit, because I feel like, we spoke about it, predetermined riders, we know that it was meant to be for purists and for tourists, as in trying to introduce newcomers to the sport while trying to show extras to people that already love the sport. And let's first get this out of the way, the language of the, of the series. I want to talk about the fact that the English dubbing was unwatchable. Like, I started watching, I could not stand 10 minutes of that, and then I switched to the French version, the original French version with English subtitles, and unlike what it sounds, a French version, it's not fully in French. It has everybody talking their own respective language without dubbing on top of it. So this is the version to watch the show, and I love that version. Was it too French-centric when it comes to an audience? I was really confused. I didn't expect it to be dubbing, because I've, I've literally never in my life... You're not the Anglophone, Benji. I'm, I'm the native Anglophone. <laughs> Nothing in Australia that I've ever seen has been dubbed. Anime. You know, I, well, you watched I the mean, original version anyway, so. I don't know. I watched, I watched the um, Castlevania. That was good, but that was the only anime I've really ever watched. And Pokemon. <laughs> um, we don't do dubbing. And maybe in the UK yeah. and I assume in America, it's subtitles. It's subtitles, uh, and that's how it is. Like, Sica- uh, not Sicario, Jesus. Um, the only similar Netflix series I can think of that, to compare it to is Narcos. So Narcos is actually, when I was first learning Spanish, I tried to run it with um, no subtitles for the Spanish bits and then just watched it without that. And it was actually too much Spanish. That's the only series I can think of where it's a full mix. It's almost 50-50 Spanish-English. And I, I wouldn't, you wouldn't do dubbing. And yeah, I, I feel like d- dubbing is very common in Spain. I'm not sure about Germany. I know there was, I think, German and Dutch dubbing, but Spain... In France? Is, yes. Is, is dubbing in, in France? Okay. Yeah. 
they basically dub the majority of movies that are English in French, if my sources are all right, as in the few times that I've been to France. <laughs> I think they thought that maybe, yeah, in, in Spain, you, you can't watch it without dubbing. You have to go to a special showing to get it in um, Vose, which is version original with Spanish subtitles. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, that was curious because, yeah, that would put people off because the dubbing is not good, I'll, I'll be honest. And as Benji said, if you want to watch this, watch it with the French original version. And I'd say over 50% of the language is in English uh, yeah. because it's mostly, you know, so if we go to the talking heads, so the managers or the, the talking heads from each team. So we have Pluger and Neerman from Yumbo. We have Mario and it's just Mario from FDJ. They don't get a DS in. He takes uh, all the limelight. Correct. They only do uh, Mario. They've got riders, of course, which are yeah. the French riders Godu and Pinot. But I think from other teams, Lefebvre, Walters, the Julien Jourdi, I think, from yep. Arche Désert, French one. And I don't actually remember if there's too much There's a more. bit of Ellingworth and there was, did, yeah, there's a bit of Ellingworth and a little bit, but I think they used G. G was just a talking head for Ineos. Um, mostly used. Uh, have we missed any other teams? Alperson, it was Rudolf. Yep. Rudolf and... Uh, yeah, it's just him mainly. Both brothers? <laughs> both, we're both in it. But it was mainly yeah. Christoph, I think. Um, yeah. And I, I thought he was quite interesting. We'll get to him in a bit. As terms of the pure talking heads, Steve Chanel was the story setter. He was sort of the, the Will Buxton, I would say. Of, he was yeah. that role. He's a French Eurosport commentator, ex-cyclist. And then Orla Chenoui of Discovery, she was... I guess just providing a little bit of color, particularly in the Ineos Anglophone and English team episodes. And then Miller, David Miller, I was actually surprised to see, but I guess he's on ITV's broadcast for the Tour de France. He was the, another obviously ex writer, but Mm -hmm. I was, yeah, I was surprised to see Miller actually. um, I don't know. Given his past. I actually don't know Miller that well outside of the fact that he was a time trialist in the past and so forth. I've never listened to the work he does now in the media. I just know that I looked at him on screen and I loved his fucking glasses. Those glasses were cool actually glasses, fire. Yeah. The gold and the rings around the him. I was Bundy's. like, I'm sold. Well, okay, that's not, that's not the way to sell these glasses. I had them. I had them myself. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, when it comes to the commentators, I was just kind of shocked that we did not see Rob Hatch because I feel like when it comes to these kind of things, when you think about, the, the Will Buxton of cycling in the English sphere of cycling, then I'm always moving towards Rob Hatch because, yeah, sure, sometimes we can, we can react to his commentary and races that it's sometimes a bit exaggerated to create absolute crazy commentary, but, hey, that's also a, a thing that makes some stages really, really good, his commentary on them. And then when it comes to moments like these... I would have loved if, for example, he was a talking head here because he can really put passion in those words. But also, it would have been better to have his commentary on the races as well. Because I feel like a lot of commentary on the races in the series was post-race commentary. You can hear that in the way people talk over those races. And that kind of bothers me. My dream team three trio of talking heads. So you need an ex-rider. English speaker, you need a professional journalist slash commentator, and you need a French speaker as yeah. well. 
and they can be an ex-writer or a professional commentator or a journalist. Marion Roos, first person I would have gone with. On yep. French national TV for the Tour de France broadcast, well-respected, race organiser for a number of years now, well-put, like, professional, just ticks all the boxes, Marion Roos, French speaker, but also known outside of France. I would have gone with her, number one. Um, now, I'm not saying... People also can say no, so I'm not saying the editors didn't go to these people, and I will get to that in a second. Two, I agree, Hatch. Uh, would have gone Hatch in the Chanel role. Yep. Third is Armstrong, um, Lance Armstrong, and then you're going to crush it in America. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tongue-in-cheek. Unironically, it would have reached new highs if that was the case. You can't do it. Not you can't do it. You can't, obviously, you can't do it. Um, but on that point, I said I'll come back to it. The Steve Chanel's got a pretty thankless task here, and Will Buxton actually, okay, his profile has grown a lot. They don't really get to decide what to say in that yep. role. They are table setting, setting the scene. It's a, it's a thankless role, and I've seen like people sort of be, oh, you know, he's just sort of saying basic stuff. It's like he's setting the scene yep. for the people trying to get them into the sport. And I think maybe someone, like Rob Hatch, like, do I want to deal with all this Twitter abuse because I had to say this basic stuff that was part of the role? Yeah, the thing about that is, I feel like it's a combination of both things that you want to say and both things that are displayed for you to say. Because, for example, when I was doing the, the Wolfpack kind of Buxton role on screen in that series of Quick Step on, on Amazon, then it was more that, for example, I was given a list of 55 questions and... I had to explain it in a very informative way and they kind of gave me that task. But I also know that if it's a series like this, that I need to word myself in a certain way. So maybe it's a combination of things that they wanted to say and a combination of things that they wanted them to say. That makes sense? Yeah, exactly. Like they can phrase it in their own specific way. But yeah, I thought it was, I thought they were all, they were all fine actually at the end of the day. Maybe it would have changed a few things, but yeah. All right, moving on to the content. First one. Now, this is obviously outside of uh, the producer's control, which, by the way, the main production company, or Netflix France, had ownership of this when I went to the premiere. It was Netflix France produced it. When you look on the original, it's Un Serie of Netflix France, the Netflix France. Mm -hmm. That's French for you that didn't know. Yeah. Um, and Quad Productions, I think, took major ownership over Box to Box Productions. Now, that might not necessarily be a bad thing because cycling is very complicated and mm -hmm. difficult to understand. And maybe there was more in-house knowledge in the French production company regarding cycling than at the F1 tennis box-to-box. -box. I don't know. Um, anyway, Pagatcha's absence, Benji. Yes. Now, there's shots of him from the race. UAE can't control that. It's ASO's images, but no talking head, no, no UAE team bus video. Do you think that it hinders the series not having access to Pog back-to-back -back winner before this race? Does it hinder the series? I think the series would have been more complete if he was present. I think there's a way to bring the series forward without Pogacar necessarily being on screen. Did they do that perfectly? Not perfectly, but I think they did it quite okay in the sense that what I feared was that Pogacar would become the villain of this series. As in Jumbo Visma, the series that is entangled in creating this together with the other six teams that are present. They're fighting against this, this, this person that is not on screen, that can't explain his moves and so forth. 
But the balance was good in the sense that, yes, they build him up somewhat to be the, the opposing rider in the race. Maybe not enough. But the balance with the funny stuff. For example, um, after Wout van Aert's attack on the Calais stage, that he also dropped Vingegaard, when he met after that stage, Pogacar after that stage, on screen in the behind the scenes section in the series, I was like, that's a good moment because it shows that Pogacar is now joking, saying to, uh, to Wout, I'm happy that you, uh, that you dropped your teammate. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a joke, but it's a funny, <laughs> it's a funny moment in the show. That was a funny moment. I enjoyed that. That was a really nice moment. That was what I was looking for from the series. Um, I agree. Like, of course, it would be better if he was in there. Now, I also think he would be quite likable. So I don't, I also yep. think it might be a bad thing for, I don't think it's a good thing for Pagacha not to be in the series either because he seems quite personable. I think, yep. to be honest, he more likely, he's more likely to say something funny than Jonas. Let's be real. Um, and like, the explanation that UAE gave initially of not being in the show was we've got our own production team and so forth, but let's be honest about it. I don't give a fuck about the YouTube videos that UAE is making at the moment. I'm not interested in them. I am not entangled into watching them. And yeah, I, I watch this. So, hey, it's, it's their loss when it comes to marketing. And I'm, yeah. That's always, I find it curious because obviously 60 grand ain't going to change. That 60 grand is irrelevant hey. to that team. Um, 51, 71 now, eh? Now that Bora's out, right? Well, did Bora get to keep the money? Oh, Surely. that's a good question. They would get to keep the money. Unless they, provided, they went out. They provided the access. They did what they were required to do. Okay. Maybe they wanted out on editorial choices because they realized their Twitter France was shit. Mm, Maybe? No, I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> I doubt it. Anyway, <laughs> UAE, like UAE, the point of it is sports washing, right? It's to make UAE look good and they don't... Yeah. Like, isn't this an opportunity to be on Netflix? I don't know. I was surprised. Anyway, yeah, could have been, could have been different. What episode did you like? And by the way, we're trying to organize, sorry, we're trying to organize an interview with one of the producers of the series. Maybe sometime this week, we'll provide that separately if it happens to maybe talk about, did the press officers get uh, to have a sneak preview of this and say, can you cut that out? Did they have editorial control? Did they not? How did, we've got a lot of behind the scenes questions as well. So if you have any questions like that please let us know in the comments that you'd like us to ask but benji what episode of the eight did you like the most oh i think that was pretty clear to me actually i was expecting to like the granon episode the most but i will get back to you on that one because that's not my most liked episode of the series i think the most liked episode of the series for me is episode five which is the the pitcock alves episode and i think the reasons for that are Pretty straightforward, as in the focus in that episode is so simple and the setup, the setting the scene of Pitcock laying, I don't know if it was laying on the table or whatever when he was explaining what was going to happen or what he thought about the rain so far. He basically said, yeah, we said we put pressure on Yumbo in the last couple of weeks, but we haven't so far. So we should change that. That's what he said in that pre-raise behind the scenes part. And I like that. Because it's honesty, it's brutally honest, and it's yeah. correct. Because <laughs> they didn't put pressure on Yambo at all by that point. Then they put Pitico in the breakaway, but in a way where it's not just going in the breakaway. And then you get Paulus's perspective, who then goes in the breakaway on the flat because he thinks that this way he can get prevent climbers from being in the breakaway by not waiting until Galibier to form that breakaway. Interesting thing, interesting dynamic. You get that extra focus. 
and you get kind of the hunt of a rider that is coming up, the Pitcock, in that massive Galibier descent scene that was lovely to see in full force. Yeah, that's cool. Towards Paulus, everybody reacting to, to Pitcock from their team cars. That was a lovely moment. And yeah, the first half of that episode carries the episode because yes, he ends up winning that, that stage, but the descent part is what carries that episode as well a bit. But also because Pitcock has a personality and no offense to other riders, but there's quite a few riders out there that are not the most entertaining people in interviews. Uh, yeah, the majority of riders, I would say, go out of their way <laughs> to be as boring as possible in most interviews. It's like, <laughs> well, seriously. Yeah, it's true. Quickstep told Renko, you have to be more boring in like 2020. They told him that. Yeah. Um, and you'll, yeah, anyway. That's a separate discussion uh, about what sponsors would be actually, what would actually be best for them. I agree that was a good episode. I perhaps would have built up the history of Alptoes a little bit more. Like, why is yeah. Alptoes so special? Because yeah. you've got Vorters on the bus saying an American winning on Alptoes, that's that's box office, that's showtime. That was a really cool scene. It was interesting to hear. And, and the way they built it up, I don't know how much of it was editorial mm -hmm. editorializing, but, you know, all out of context, but the way... He, they framed it like Ineos were taking a big risk to put Pidcock in the break um, because then Thomas <laughs> is isolated. And then that was a funny scene when Cummings said to Thomas, we're thinking about putting Pidcock in the break. She goes, what for? And there's like three seconds of silence. And Cummings is like, to win the stage. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, oh. What's that? <laughs> we don't do that. <laughs> um, I don't know whether that was sort of actually happened or not, but that they'd use that to build up like it was taking a risk, you know? And and Yumbo yeah. did try to stop Peacock getting the break on the Galibier ascent, which I also think was a, in a waste of time, but yeah. at least we got that descent image. That was cool. My favorite episode was the next one. I think they were two strong episodes, Breakneck Speed, number five, but my favorite was Plan B, number six. Maybe not like that. Really? Yeah, the Alperson episode was my favorite because I thought that had that's more what I wanted from unpolished moments. Yeah, I'd never because I've watched the race. Right, I've seen I've seen all the Velen footage. I've seen all the teams behind the scenes. I've seen everything. Right, I've seen the team's own documentaries by now. So for me, I got I wanted to see moments that the Netflix cameras had captured that no one else had captured yet, and. I really liked their Phillips and Calais yeah. part because he wins and he's well, so embarrassed. No, sorry. He thinks he's won and he's so embarrassed and his girlfriend or partner, you know, girlfriend of the year says, don't worry, no one noticed. Absolute lie. <laughs> but she's like, don't worry, no one noticed. No one's writing about it. Um, trying to, you know, relax him that no one has seen it. And just seeing how like devastated he was, not just that he hadn't won that Tour de France stage, which he hadn't won yet, but also yeah. how embarrassing it was. He eventually turned around and kind of made fun, of it, and it went viral. Actually, him making making light of it, and he ended up did he, he did end up winning, and just you know him being whether it's true or not that he's you know a bit of a disaster. Um, I don't know. I thought it was because they were in a tough spot, Benji. Because I'm sure they left a lot of B roll of Matthew Vanderpool on the cutting room floor because he didn't do anything in the <laughs> tour. Good that it left a lot out. And my my annoying part of that episode, like, it's a good episode, but the part that triggers me a tiny bit is that I felt like Vanderpool was in it a bit too much. Like, the, the part of the episode about Vanderpool that 
he's plan A on paper, which they were both plan A in different terrains, let's be honest about it. But Dad Vanderpool was plan A on paper and felt that could have been handled in a shorter time span. And it kind of became long for me before they switched to the relevant part. And I would rather have had a moment where they they spoke about why Philipson's stages in, for example, Denmark didn't work out. And that that might introduce like the simple idea of positioning. That's not difficult to explain in those yep, first stages. But and then you have that evolution towards the end of the Tour de France, character development from Philipson in that episode, and that's a tiny bit more for me. I don't think that's where we probably are different from the target audience, though. Do they need to explain sprint positioning too much? Didn't they do that in stage one with our Lampart's providing shelter to Jakobsen in the yeah, sprint? That it's, was such a weird moment to do it. But it's for character. This show is about character development, making people excited in the product and the characters for the for the lay audience. So, if you want to watch a sprint leader analysis, watch Lantern Rouge YouTube channel. Very good videos. Someone makes them there. Um, <laughs> I also thought the Rudolphs were the kind of most real team manager. Like Rudolph was the most real because he was just his normal like don't give a fuck kind of crazy self. I thought it was funny, and he was like. Yeah. When he said, I wish I could even enjoy a win for a moment, but all I start thinking about is the next win. I wish I could actually enjoy it. I was like, I feel you, brother. Um, yeah, it's like, when it comes to all the DSs in the show, there were different types of characters and different types of DSs and different goals probably with what they want to achieve with the show. Because, for example, Madio, we know what he is, eh? He's that... He's that French He's a meme. leader of, a, of an army that's trying to announce everybody that they need to fight as gladiators with Panache on every single climb. And that doesn't matter what tactics you ride, as long as you ride with your heart, you can win every stage that you set your mind to. That's basically what Madiot was saying every single morning in the bus. But then you have, for example, Walters, who I feel like meticulously set out the pathway of his team for the series, as in putting them forward as the team that has, has not done that great, which UCI points-wise is correct when it comes to the first few stages in the, in the, in the Tour de France. He had Magnus caught in, in the polka dot jersey and so forth. Completely unmentioned. <laughs> yeah, I know. In Denmark, no less. <laughs> exactly. Shocking. And um, then the kind of build-up towards and also the, the part about uh, his doping past and so forth, which I really enjoyed that they put that in. I did But like. it's like... It's very different from Madio. And then you've got Lefebvre who talks about, I don't know, Lefebvre I didn't really know. There was no payoff when it comes to Lefebvre. Wasn't Lefebvre kind of the biggest anti-climax? Because we all know him as Lefebvre. Yeah. And it turns out, it's like, who's this harmless old man? <laughs> <laughs> On the TV. <laughs> Where's, why, just getting to read out his own articles from HLN. Yeah. yeah, just hey, Patrick, can you read this this out? This notes. It's like, what's this? Like, it's what you wrote before the tour last year. Um, yeah, he was just he didn't say anything crazy. Also, uh, I couldn't believe it. What happened in episode one when it comes to building up the the selection, for example, of Ala Philippe, and not even mention Cavendish by the way, but all about Ala Philippe, all about Ala Philippe's selection and so forth. It also felt like that was just explained to explain it without like I don't know. I didn't even think it was necessary to mention it. Well, the problem is, right, they've chosen Alaphilippe before yeah. the tour to start filming him. And because really, I think you would have actually built that better to say, Quickstep were under a lot of pressure because they didn't take Cav. And yeah. every sprint stage, they didn't win at that Tour de France. That pressure 
and that media furor was going to build from us too. We were going to go crazy. was going to build and build and build because Cav to the Tour movement was in full swing. And it's a pretty easy explainer to be like, hey, Mark Cavendish, he's won a few Tour de France stages, leaving him out a bit dicey. Jakobsen crashed. He, you know, you could spin it that he's, he's, he's got no legs. It's a big risk not taking mm-hmm. him versus the, the GOAT sprinter. Um, so, yeah, that, that was surprising. But I think that might have been that, the, yeah, they, they'd already invested in Alphilippe a little bit. But, yeah, I, th- I, thought, I thought Rudolph was good. Um, Does I that... Think, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Oh, I just think he... They, he's, a, he's a nice person that I think could fill a bit of a heel villain role because he might not be everyone's cup of tea. Um, yeah. Like when basically the last stage is, and again, this is why I like the episode because I'd never seen it. He goes to Jasper on the bus, hey, Plancard's going to be last man. Krieg is fucked. He's going to be second last. Jasper's like, oh, okay, I agree, but I don't know. And, and Rudolph's like, but what? You said you agree. It's done. <laughs> I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> he was right. <laughs> he won that stage. Yeah. Um, but I'd not seen that before. I was like, ooh, that's, that's interesting. Management style. Um, yeah, that was so fun yeah. to see. But I think the, the discussion about episode one kind of seamlessly brings me to what episode did we like the least? Because that was, for me, episode one. Yeah, as in, the reason I don't necessarily like it is, well, first of all, the Bissaker aspect of it. We've already spoken about it. I didn't think that was necessary putting it in there. And that brings me to the overall point of just because you predetermined riders before this race started and you made footage with them doesn't mean that footage is valuable to the actual series, right? Yes. Doesn't mean because you invested in recording stuff that that recording is actually useful in the footage. If I make a YouTube video, obviously the budget is very different from a Netflix series. But if I make a YouTube video, I've got so many things I cut out that I recorded Yes, I, maybe I record a bit too much, but that's a different kind of story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but because it doesn't fit the eventual product, you need to make sure, you need to start with the product and not with your recording. Yeah. Well, that's what, so I got a five minute limit of race yeah. footage I can use under my ASO contract on the Lantern Rouge YouTube channel. Tour de France stage is six hours. I got to cut that into five minutes. Cutting Grenoble stage into five minutes <laughs> is hard. And, or other stages. And yeah, I basically will just be like, I'm, it's nice that you guys got in the breakaway today, but ultimately you were irrelevant. I'm not even going to show you yeah. because other stages I will because I got time. But yeah, I, I don't know what I was really saying about that. But yeah, just being brutal with the cutting. I think they might change that for next year. The season two has been renewed apparently. There's already the cameras rolling, which is a really good thing. I'm very, very happy about that actually. But apparently they might do it a little bit differently because cycling is so different to in F1. They kind of did it like F1. Ten teams, two drivers yeah. per team. They did all ten teams and there's two drivers per team and they did all two drivers. They kind of did it for cycling, but the problem is cycling's eight guys on a team and maybe the third or fourth guy's the most relevant. Like it's, with EF, Rigo was irrelevant, did nothing. Yeah. Uh, and so that's why it's tough. Uh, but to go back, I agree, episode one, Vortas was my favorite character of the series. I think Vortas yeah. was really, really good, um, generally. Agreed. Like, he came with the energy, he came with the right sound bites. He also wasn't just saying cliches, he was saying, yeah. like, yeah, if, you, if you're doing these descents and you make a mistake and you're in Lycra at 100 kph, you are going to fuck yourself yeah. up. And it's a really, his analogy, and he, he was really good, I thought, but... 
would I have brought up Lance Armstrong and the fact that Vorders rode with him and that they, you know, there was doping on US Postal and then allowed Vorders to say, but Lance was a baddie, but I was a goodie. Let him get that line off on, on episode one without doing all the, but because if you watch that, right? Yeah. Why would you think cycling's clean now? Well, I think a lot of people that are not into cycling right now default don't think that cycling is clean. Like, why would you think it's any different to there? They just brought it up. They didn't yeah. go on about all the testing, testing, uh, everything like that, all the how it's changed since then. So, I did, yeah, that one I was like, oh, did we have to bring up US Postal and not have a sort of, I guess yeah. EF was supposed to be the real rehabilitation arc of that. Um, anyway. That was just a, that's just a personal preference uh, mm-hmm. thing. What events did your series cover really? Oh, who was your MVP character, Benji? My MVP. Oh, because my was MVP Waters. of the series. My enemy, even though he's my enemy, I have to give it to him. He's my favorite character. Mine's Grisha Nierman. Oh no, because <laughs> I feel like he was really good on screen and explaining stuff that was Fucking happening. Hell, <laughs> and he was really enthusiastic in the car. <laughs> and it's a character that kind of. You kind of see him popping up first of all in the car, for example, in the cobble stage and so forth. Then he shows up on the screen and he, um, I, I like that. I like that a lot. But also, the three seconds, well, maybe, maybe the, the one minute we saw of Roglic being interviewed was hilarious. That him was not very giving funny. a fuck about the interview was <laughs> hilarious. And you heard in the, his voice, the way he was saying it, this is the most stupidest thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> I love that sentence. But also he continued that where the next sentence he explained was made in such a made-up way to show that he was made up, made to say it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just so funny. I love that. So that kind of stuff. Roglic comes over as a as a human with a personality here. While I feel like Vingega, while he's on screen, he has yeah, he his personality wasn't super great on screen. Is that a harsh thing to say? I mean, like his interviews every day good during races not really yeah like thanks to the team you know and he's not the only one that it's like maybe there isn't he's just a family guy he races hard yeah, but not everyone's cut if, out to be that way you know i know i understand and he's a cyclist and not a well cyclists are automatically influencers these days but i would say that Pogacar would have made for a funnier winner of the tour de france in this yeah, series yeah Pogaccio would have done, he would have gone along with funny things. I, I yeah. do think if the producer's like, hey, can you do the stupid skit or whatever, he would, you know, he's more likely to be amenable to that. So yeah, yeah. I agree on that sense. Um, but yeah, it's funny. They, yeah, they put Krishi in. I was busting his balls a little bit about it when I saw it because he's in it quite a bit. I was, yeah. No Zayman. No, no Zayman. Um, <laughs> after, I like it. And I hope yeah, they that, went with the DS and Plugger. I hope it came from Zayman or Plugger's side that they wanted to have ideas in there because let's be honest about it Grisha did loads of stuff in the race that deserves to be somewhat credited and a lot of DSs do and for example the Julien Jourdi guy from Ajezer is that a manager or is that a DS? I think he's a well the DSs aren't all created equal so like yeah Grisha is a senior DS he's the Tour de France first car on the right hand side DS for Jumbo Visma that, yeah. that's the 
premium DS position. Zayman is more the the manager of racing and recruitment and race overall strategy, etc., and and the whole program. And some whereas, but he also gets in the car. Whereas Vorders is not every team has it exactly the same. I think the Age of Two R guy is the Zayman, uh, is the Grisha role. Yeah. Uh, um, where he's a scene he's the senior first car DS at the Tour de France for Azure's And that also means he has a lot of say on rider selection, strategy, uh, probably recruitment as well. Um, so yeah, I thought that episode was also the age to the age to our part I thought was very good. Um yeah. the group Palmer one, you know The speech was heroic, but like yeah, I, I like, didn't the Pino one was actually sad. There was one line where he says, "Yeah, sometimes I think I'm more popular than I am talented." Oh. It was really sad because I don't think that's true. Actually, I think yeah. Pino is insanely talented, still insanely good rider, extremely good values. Um, but it's just, yeah, like the strategy and, and everything else around. It's not been the best throughout but- his career, unfortunately. You mentioned Group Palma there. You mentioned Ajazer. I don't want to talk about O'Connor's and oh, yeah. Julien Ajourdi in that in that part. It was really covered well, but it really struck me as if the management of Ajazer did not give a fuck about the injury of Ajourdi of of O'Connor there because they were like he was like oh I'm hurt I can't lift my leg and they were like oh we can see tomorrow and then we can attack on the next day. <laughs> I was like okay come on guys is it like a language barrier or is it like they actually yeah, they, they, no, they gravitate more injury. towards results. They just were like Grinta and Panache do, just like heal a torn muscle in the next two weeks and you might win a stage. And then it seemed like the way they edited it, it seemed like as soon as Jungles won a stage, they were like, all right, you can go home, Ben. We've won a stage now. It's all good. That's yeah. how it seemed to me. Um, and that, that was good. And it was kind of, it was real the battle between the two big French teams on that stage nine between Jungles and Pino. And I really liked seeing the two cars and it, it wasn't made up like Pino was chasing Jungles. Yeah. But seeing Mattias disappoint, I thought that was, that was quite interesting. And that was pretty true to the real stage events. I agree. That was lovely to see, but then I don't need Pino on Planche de Belfier at all. Yeah. Like, that was complete Planche fiction. De... That was irrelevant seeing Pinot on Planche If he's not in the breakaway that day, he has no chance of winning. There's no point in following him. And yeah, that's one moment of once again, they probably filmed that and they put that in the show as a consequence. But I'm like, you've got Pinot in that other scene, make sure you shoot something else that's more relevant. Like there's plenty of stuff that's not in the show that could have made it to the show, but... For, for Groupama, what? Well, Dude, they, they rode off be. camera for two weeks with Godou. Doesn't need to be Groupama because they've got plenty of stuff in the show already. Go do a, yeah, a versus but... Thomas in an episode. Pino versus Ajdazer in an episode. I don't know. They gotta give they gotta give some love to the French teams. It's because... two episodes already. <laughs> no, uh, they have to. It's a Netflix France series. I uh, I would have just tried to give some Gudu some, I don't know, um a a bit more prodding about how do you feel being in the team with Thibaut? With him yeah. being the big star, but you're the GC leader. How do you yeah. feel about that? Because Pinot's still in your beat on in that one stage. Based on what I've seen from David Godou this year, uh, he might give you an interesting answer to that question. <laughs> he might say, yeah, it's annoying. Like, I'm the GC leader now. But yeah, I thought 
Age of Two Art, it was good seeing the passion uh, and, and just I've never seen, I would never have learned the story of their DS, Julien. Yeah. I would never have learned here about his father, about his tattoos without yeah. that behind the scenes stuff. So I enjoyed that uh, as well. Yeah. But Ben, it sucked, but at least he came back to do World of Dauphine this weekend. So, um, and, and again, you know who would have been their second writer, Benji? That they had to cut everything off? Cosnefoy. He didn't do anything that that's the problem. They would have filmed probably more with Cosnefra than O'Connor, and they couldn't use anything. And what's curious as well is I know they were here in Andorra with Ben and his mm-hmm. and his partner, and yep. they were filming in Andorra and, and not none of that got showed. So Did it? there was a lot of stuff. Yeah. It? Oh no, that was Paula's that went into his new apartment, yeah. not Ben. Sorry, I was um, getting all the Anglophone writers to each yeah, other for they a are second. All the same, pretty much. Anyway. <laughs> but yeah, we, we spoke about things that they cover or are there overarching feelings about how they portrayed the GC fight? Because I did love the way that they went back to the GC battle at the end of stages to keep you up to date in some fashion. Um, I don't think it matters. I really don't. <laughs> I don't think it matters to have the, cause they deliberately on the Gadoo versus Thomas episode. Yeah. When they were showing that GC battle with the ranking, they took away the time gaps. At yep. that point, but they didn't always take away the time gaps because the time gap was so big. And this is a, a good point to talk about editorializing. I have no problem with fake drama. I love yeah. it. More fake drama, <laughs> please, because I am a selfish, self-interested person. I want this season, this series to be a success. I hope it was. From all initial reports, it's going quite well. It's top 10 in, Bel- it's top 10 in all European countries. Yeah, the but- UK. Ireland at the moment in TV series, it's got to have some longevity, but that is, that's data. I see nobody talking about it, though. Yeah, but no one talked about Drive to Survive a, less than a week after it released in season For one. For two years, nobody spoke about Drive to Survive. Exactly. It was in season three that it blew up in the American market, and yeah. with the English dubbing of the show, I don't believe that it will blow up. Maybe season two, they'll do something differently, but I think for it to be where it is now in those top tens, not flopping and, and doing quite well, and as I said, I've got, I've told my my uh, lay people friends to go watch it, and then I might get their feedback too. And some of it's positive already, and some of them are not lay people. Aren't they what that Tour de France watches? Some of them are long term cycling fans watching the Armstrong Days. Some have never watched a cycling race. Um, sort of a whole canvas of casual to quite dedicated uh, listener. I've asked to go and watch it. But to to your the fake drama, I got no problem with it. So so what? So mm-hmm. what you drum up a, a, a fake podium battle between Godu and, and Thomas? Who cares? Like, who's hurt by yeah. that? What's the pro- I don't see what the problem... Okay, yeah, we're like, okay, this didn't really... We weren't really concerned that Godu was going to take it, but so what? I, I don't have really a problem with it, Benji. Yeah, for that episode, I didn't care either. For Philipson Cena's plan B at Alpeson, for example, uh, that, that's kind of a fake narrative that is just for storytelling, but it also maybe guides people in a way where they would think that Philipson was a, an underdog going into this race in the first place for stage wins. But that's more my cycling fandom that's triggered by this than it kind of works for I also think that's harmless. The, yeah, I agree. Then we spoke about Pogacar not being villainized. I personally believe that Wout was somewhat villainized in the sense that they used the potentially existing quarrels in Yambo Visma to try and display that in a fashion where there was perhaps more drama than there actually was. I don't mind that. 
and I feel like it balanced out with Otakama afterwards. Does that make sense that it was kind of a development through the series? Yeah, and Wout's spoken about this today. He said he was he got time to watch it over the weekend, and he was a bit disappointed by um, by those editorial choices. I gotta say, I don't think Wout was villainized at all. Okay. So maybe the scene there's been some so the Calais stage at the time. I said I I thought Wout should have waited. Mm-hmm. He should not have dropped Jonas and gone solo. And I do think there is a genuine question about is that like I'm not saying what he did was wrong, but it is an inherently selfish act yep. to drop the GC contender to go for your own stage win. I'm sorry, but he wasn't riding for Jonas in that moment. And it's kind of people like to think of him in black and white. He's a selfish rider. He's a selfless domestique, does everything. It's actually like a bit more grave than that. Maybe if a rider's been promised to go for a stage on a particular stage, mm-hmm. they feel entitled to that, but then they are more than happy to work as a dedicated domestique on other stages based on pre-Tour de France discussions. So now the editing of Jonas looking glum, I think that was, that, I think that was made up when I don't think Jonas was miserable that he got dropped. Nah. And that, I, that's it was not, funny I though. It was funny. It was funny, but I don't think that's true at all. Um, the thing is like, would Sorry, you? Say, we were we spot. We speak about Wout Vanard when it comes to selfless, selfish for a second. Eh? What is your opinion on the on the couple stage then? Because a lot of people are saying, and the show is kind of portraying as him as the savior of it all. But our opinion on the day itself was also that his positioning for the first half of the race was terrible, and he was not where he needed to be when shit went wrong directly. Yeah, I agree, and yeah, and he saved his yellow jersey too, uh, and it's it's like. What about the credit for Nathan Van Hoydonk yeah. or Christophe Laporte or Tage Benoit? They worked their ass off too, you know, and, and Wout did pull at the end and yeah, he did save a lot of time, some time for Jonas, yeah. but the first half of the stage wasn't great either. And yeah, Wout's point was they showed all this bad stuff and they didn't show me doing the good stuff. I don't think that's true. I disagree, they, indeed. They did show him pulling on the cold stage. They did show Altacam. Yeah. And on stage 15, I've got to say, Benji, Jonas crashed. Stevie crashed out of the race. Tayshia had crashed behind Jonas. Wout had mathematically won green. Yep. And he was leading the bunch, sprinting for an intermediate sprint, when Jonas was chasing back on his own in the yellow jersey after crashing. When Wout had mathematically won green. Like, yeah. But is that, is that solely him, or is that the team that doesn't shout, Wout, you need to wait? I don't know. They didn't show. They didn't show any footage or video of the DS on the radio saying you need to wait. But they showed. And this is again. This was not selective. They didn't make him say this on the bus. Yeah. They show a scene where he says, "Can I go on the break?" Yeah. And Grisha says, "No. We have yellow. You have green sewn up. It's going to be a sprint anyway." And that seemed to be, yeah. Like they didn't. Netflix didn't make him say that. Like they didn't yeah. use an AI to make him say that. So I think maybe he's. <laughs> Deepfake Wout. Yeah, maybe. And they didn't show, like, I wanted to see stage six, Benji. Yeah. When he, Long when, in Long Wee or whatever it was, when he got in the break on his own all day, did, did the car tell him to stop? I want to see that discussion because Pogaccio ended up taking the stage. I, I want to see, I bet you the Jumbo Visma team car when Pogaccio won that stage, not a happy place uh, on stage six. That, and that, that's to my next point. So my, my point is, Wout 
was he villainized? I don't think to an extreme degree, frankly. I think it was slightly. maybe slightly, slightly, yeah, no, slightly, and but I don't think it was extreme. Um, so my next point is there some real drama that was left out, like that yes. I just mentioned? Yes, the Betty Ol EF drama That's during the, the couple one. stage. That's the one that I was looking for, and they use a shot from it. Betty Ol pacing in that group at some point in the early part of that couple stage, but. I was at Local Live. Local Live? No, Ruler Live. Local Live is something completely different. Ruler Live at the end of last year in November, and Vodges was doing like a talk, a speaking thing, and he was talking about um, that Netflix was present during the fallout of that stage. Then you have, was it Thomas that said on his podcast that there was some crying going on in the bus of, of Yevon and so forth? I saw nothing of that. And I want to see that drama. That's the shit I'm here for. And why would you have make fake drama if you can have the real one right there that's the one thing i that annoys me when it comes to fake drama fake drama can exist fake narratives can exist team signed up for it they knew it was going to happen we said it at the start f1 showed it at the start yeah it was going to happen but why not use the real drama then that exists because they have the footage ah this was a real head scratcher to me even in the trailer i swear the long trailer there's footage of jv on the bus saying don't do that again and I don't remember that being in the room because to remind everyone what happened and I had a tweet that kind of went viral showing it. It was very, very strange. So Paulus and Court or Paulus and another EF, I think Court, were in the breakaway. Paulus was very close to the GC lead uh, ahead of ahead of Wout. Wout had been called back and had to pace for Vingegaard. And yep. so the Paulus, first of all, EF had a real chance to win the stage with either Court or Paulus. They mm-hmm. also had a very, very good chance to go into yellow with Paulus. And the group behind started, Bertiol started chasing and pacing, not just on that when he went with Pogaccia. He, he paced earlier cobble sections too. He was just, just pacing those cobble sections. And then we saw him sidle up to Pogaccia, talk to him, basically tap his butt and flick him onto his wheel and say, let's go. And he just launches a sector with Pogaccia and starts pacing him. And I can't remember if it did cost Palace yellow or not. Um, it made it more difficult. It certainly made it more difficult and jeopardized Palace going into yellow, which would have been a huge deal. And so I guarantee, I guarantee there would have been some pretty big words about what happened in the bus afterwards, yeah. a big blow up, because that was, yeah, it was, that, that was drama. Is that because the teams have input on the show? That's what I want to know. Because I've, I kind of feel like they do the way the show is made. Because I, I bet you when it comes to Trudy and O'Connor, it also feels like there's, there's more that they didn't show. And I think... I don't think Jody really thinks the way he... I don't think he thinks he looks bad in that episode at all. Yeah. Um, so that, that's why it's... And that was a good point. I was t- on Twitter about this. Like, okay, maybe wow. Well, it's not exactly happy with how he looks. And yeah, some of the stage four editing is a bit, you know, unflattering. But what scenes in this series wouldn't have been okayed by a press officer? You know? Exactly. And, it's, and that makes, that's what I want to know. Do the press officers, did they have a bit of a, a right of veto? Because that EF drama was what I was hanging out for. To see, like, Ford is going, what the fuck were you doing, Betty O? Like, Palace and Palace is realizing he lost yellow i'm sure there would have been drama that maybe it yeah. was self-selection 
The way mm-hmm. they didn't villainize Pogaccia thinking, we're not going to Verstappen him because we want his buy-in for season two. If we, yep. uh, but I don't think UAE are in season two, but if we treat him like a complete villain, if we treat Van Aert like a villain, yep. if we make EF look bad, then maybe they drop out of the show and, and maybe that's why they did it. Yeah, but do you feel like they left the handshake, for example, on Otakam's stage between Pogacar and Vingegaard out because Pogacar wasn't a, a main character on screen because if he's there and Vingegaard's there, they show it 100%, right? Uh, that as well was curious. And also, um, you know, they have the footage of Pogacar with his leg bleeding, saying to the car, I just want to win the stage. Um, and, you know, Pogacar trying to nibbly... Jonas on a descent and then crashing himself. That is kind of drama. So yeah. maybe they didn't want to diminish the outer cam of Wout and Jonas, um, you know, mm-hmm. by showing Pogaccio crashing. I don't know, but that was a kind of famous moment, Jonas waiting for him. So I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you can't have everything in there. Um, and again, we... Dude. Said it, we said it a million times, but we, we're not the target audience. So I guess they know better how to yeah, but- frame it for the target audience. I feel when it comes to the target audience that you and I disagree on whether it hit its marks. Because I, for example, feel like the two targets are potentially the purists, the cycling fans, and the tourists. They wanted to make it for both is the way they said it in French media beforehand, is the way they proclaimed it that they were aiming for. So for purists and for tourists, for cycling fans and for newcomers. And I feel like it was not having enough behind the scenes for me as a cycling fan to be like oh this is the greatest show i've ever seen this is a a good show it's a good cycling show for me yes it's like it's like watching the majority of cycling documentaries that currently exist i'm not really saying that it's much higher than those at the moment now on the opposite side when it comes to newcomers i've done what you said like the showing this show to people that haven't watched cycling or not cycling fans and they just don't know what's going on in the first two episodes. And they're not stupid, those people. So I'm like, I feel like it's a bit all over the place. I was, I was watching these first episodes and I felt like when I was watching it, I tried to watch it from a perspective of someone that didn't know what was going on. And I also felt like everything was explained very quickly. And there was maybe too many characters at once to be able to glimpse into the sport quickly or smoothly. So I'm, I feel like they tried to maneuver for both and maybe lost half of each. You mean like, so they should have covered off, why, if Wout's so good, why can't he win the Tour de France? What is a sprinter? You know, I guess, yeah, that sort of stuff. Um, and that was all done in French it's as well. All, it's also I, maybe just the the pacing of how it's explained and so forth and the chronology of everything because at some point you'd start with episode episode one with stage one and stage two then stage three and stage no stage four and stage five not stage three and then suddenly we'd go back to the gc group that was three stage earlier yeah but that's because you watch the race that's because you understand it's not from the same if you haven't watched the race you don't know no but they actually showed that it was like stage 10 again when they went back to vingegaard versus pogacar after they already showed a breakaway action on a different episode about that stage so it's kind of like they were switching back and forth a lot and maybe i don't know i feel like that's a bit all over the place for new viewers but let me let me get this they straight. do the same in drive to survive apparently 
I don't know because I don't know anything about F1. So I'm like, this is great. <laughs> and it's like, dude, that's a cut from a different month. And I'm like, I didn't know that. Am I, am I expecting the show to give too much information to new viewers in the first place? As in, no. when I watched F1, I don't feel like I understood everything perfectly when it comes to on oh, our the qualifiers and the next day you've got the actual race and the qualifiers somehow change the order in which cars ride in the race itself and then oh crash on the left side oh crazy and then then we see oh this rider doesn't undertake of that rider oh that's that was a pretty cool move am i over expecting what people need to enjoy the show i think so because like in Drive to Survive so episode one, do they explain the importance of I can't tire? remember, man. Do they explain years. After the difference in tire wear, soft, medium, hard? Do they explain that you've got to go 60 kph when you pit? Do they, like, I don't think they really do yeah, but... dive into all that because it, it's, that's boring. You're not um, going that far either when it comes to this, eh? No, I there's like... a middle ground, I agree. Yeah. I, there's a middle ground that, could, that can be met, um, I, I think, yeah. But... Uh, they want to make it character development and um but yeah. i have one issue that we haven't spoken about we've not spoken about it during the most episode the like the most episode and like the least neither the granola episode for me and oh, yeah. this is the this is one of the best stage i've ever seen in cycling hands down well let's just say sorry to interject they were given a pretty damn good canvas to work with last year that's not a normal tour de france but the start that they were given when it comes to the canvas was not great. The first three days were not the best Tour de France Day no. openers we've had. The 2023 one is most likely going to be a better start. The 2021 one was a much better start to a Grand Tour for a series like this. So that canvas, that start of the canvas, is hard to work with. But the rest, there was a lot of good shit. Granon stage especially. And when it comes to that stage, yeah, they spend a lot of time on the rolling attacks. Yes, those were heroic rolling attacks, but for me, they didn't hit because the scene was not set. As in, first of all, we had an introduction of Pogacar. Second of all, we never really had an explanation of how unfathomable it was to have attacks like that from the Telegraph already, the GC action for 100 kilometers straight, that stuff, we, we know as cycling fans how special that is. But if you're watching the show for the first time, the show does not set the scene enough to how special that is, and it makes it feel like it's a generic GC stage. Yeah, I hope people don't think that's a normal GC stage. Don't watch the Giro d'Italia back if you think so. <laughs> Jesus, waiting Bar's for three high. weeks. <laughs> um, yeah, I kind of I agree, like... Setting the scene was important there because, like, that episode should have been called Slaying the Dragon because, yeah. or Slaying the King because people were literally calling me Kyrie Irving. They were saying I thought the earth was flat, man, for even suggesting Jonas could drop him. Yeah. Um, the people were asking, interviewers were interviewing Zayman on the first rest day, saying, ah, well, Another year you don't win the Tour de France. What's the plan next year on the first yep. rest day? That's, the, that's what people were thinking. And so, and Pagacha, and you know, there's reasons for that. Pagacha had one back-to-back -to -back Tour de France's in the 2021 in dominant fashion. Week one, he was taking the piss. Like, 
one on Long Wee, one on Planche de Belfi, looked unbeatable. Cobbles, uphill, downhill, don't worry about it. And so that was what everyone's feeling. And that's how it really felt. And on the Glibier, that's how I felt when he was pacing. So, yeah, it's like this is the, you know, there was also surely moments on the Glibier where, you know, and Miller did do a good job. Miller was like, if you poke the bear, he's going to react. Yeah. Um, with, with Pagach. So Miller did. Good. That was good. I really liked that bit of that episode. But yeah, it's that was kind of a break from focusing on the characters. Um, yeah, there was there was an interesting bit where Pagacha said, "Get me water," because you know the whole planet like he was fucked on granola, man. Um, whether that was dehydration, food, whatever. Um, but yeah, it's. I don't really feel like there was any behind the scenes with Roglic after the stage or like how Roglic, because that, that's what I wanted to see is that yep. with Vingegaard's taking yellow, Pagacha's not the only loser here. Roglic mm-hmm. falls completely out of GC dropping on Grenon and he's also happy for his teammate, but he's now not winning the Tour de France but- now for a fourth season in a row, second, third season in a row. Roglic is less in this show than much of Andrepolis. Yeah, but that's what was curious because I was like, surely, because he, he and Van Aert were the two they pre-selected. Yep. So surely there is some, they had, I don't know. Um, I agree like that. Um, I do think, Benji, cycling is a very, and we shouldn't forget this, is a very difficult sport to really understand what's going on. Sometimes, yep. you know, I think I got a good handle of what's going on, what's going to happen, and then something will happen and then I'm completely, you know, thrown aback or, you know, something new becomes obvious to me and I'm constantly learning myself. And this is something we do, like, we watch every race in full yep. for the last four years. Like, it's tough, I think, if you're a producer, actually, with Grenoble. If you're a producer who's like a casual cycling fan, too, because mm-hmm. piecing together character development is maybe your real job. Piecing together a cycling stage is actually not something you're as well accustomed to doing. That's actually something I do every day. Then you get expertise from other people in trying to make that happen, eh? If you can't do something, you get people to make sure it can be a good product. You're right. You're right. Um, uh, But maybe that's what they're going to do next year. But yeah, uh, Grenon was crazy. Uh, I like the Champs-Élysées stage. Um, Just seeing like... What did you think about... The thing about binging is that by the time the last stage hits... Yeah, you're tired. I'm half dead, and I need yeah. a shower. Yeah, <laughs> but that's my fault. <laughs> so, uh, final thought: Would you recommend people watch it? If you're a cycling fan, you're going to probably enjoy it. Uh, I think if you're a cycling fan, you're going to enjoy it. If you get too triggered about things that are fake narratives and so forth, then you might have certain things you get triggered by. But I feel like the fake narratives narratives are not that much either i really didn't think they were that bad it's a tiny bit in the show so if you're a cycling fan you will enjoy it you will not learn an incredible amount of new things yes there's some behind the scenes that i love like the phillips and stuff like the o'connor things but i also feel like i wanted a tiny bit more but on the other end of the spectrum i personally believe that this will not cause an earthquake when it comes to cycling fans i hope it does but i don't believe in it Maybe not, yeah. And listen, there's also the reality of the raw material they're working with, and that's who's going to be Christian Horner? Who's going to be 
um, Yuki Tsunoda? Yeah. Who's going to be, you know, who's going to be like that? Who's going to be Alonzo? Is the reason that Drive to Survive took a bit to get launched up, to get, to explode worldwide, that it needed the across-season character development I think so. to make that happen? I think so. Like you see Ricardo going from Red Bull to Alpine to um, McLaren and struggling, and now he's out. Now Good he's luck out. in cycling. With every shirt changing every year. <laughs> True, yeah. Well, no, for Formula One, they change their names fairly often, but yeah. um, maybe not as often. But yeah, it's. I think, you're, I think you're onto something there. But then what about the continuity of like, Roglic won't be at the Tour this year. So if Roglic isn't going to the Tour, shouldn't you actually, doesn't it make sense to cut him pretty much, which is what they did? Because why would you do character development of Roglic when it's Van Aert and Jonas? Who are you going to have in season two? I think it's, honestly, I think it's a very valuable part of the last Tour de France that Roglic was a part of the Yumbo team because he was the one that attacked on Telegraph. He was the one that created that ripple effect that might have caught, that definitely caused Pogacar to drop earlier than he would have if Granol was the only moment that Yumbo would have done something. I agree, so, but if, if, he's, if he literally refuses to play ball and tr deliberately tries to be the most boring person possible in the behind-the-scenes footy-talking head parts and it just is like, I'm just going to whistle on my bike and not even say anything. I'm just going to give you one-word answers. What can you the do? The part that we saw was funny, but I agree. There, that yeah, but might that shows his mindset towards it. I agree. That is an indicator that he might not be the most uh, media affectionate writer for this specific uh for this specific type of work that, that that's true i fully agree with you on that Do, does it mean that they need to cut him out just because he doesn't do the tour de france here in my opinion not because you can set the scene in the next year that last year roglic was part of the team that that brought Vingegaard to the victory to take him. and this year their goal is to try and achieve victories in the three big grand tours of which tour de france is the second one they've already win the first one not name it because otherwise you give promotion towards RCS. <laughs> and and but and Roglic, you know, oh, you're not taking Roglic. You're yeah. not taking Roglic. Like that's controversial. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can explain it because he won that race already. Now it's on Vingegaard's shoulders to bear it solo without Roglic, trying to obtain the Tour de France. And I think the start of the next season will be easier for them because the Basque start will be super explosive, yeah, an absolute banger. So episode one should be much better off season two. The return of Alaphilippe, hopefully on stage one, or Vanderpool. Um, yeah, it should Is be Is that why they put it in? Put what in? Now that you brought up the point of why did they cut out Roglic that much because he's not there maybe in the Tour de France in 2023, did they put Vanderpool and Alaphilippe in that much because they're coming to the Tour de France Oh, and Cavs on Astana, which isn't in the series. Yeah. That's a good point. Why bring up Cavendish when you're never going to get an interview with him? Yeah. Now, this is making a lot of sense. We're workshopping. Oh my God. If yeah, we do another podcast for 24 hours, we might <laughs> really? reach why the series looks like this. But this is why there are, oh, this is, there is usually like, this is fucking Netflix, man. Like, they're not amateurs. They, and, and the producers are not amateurs. They are doing things for a reason. And even if we think, why would you do it? Our fleet versus Yaga? Oh, now we've light bulb moment because Cav, you have no access to him. He's going to retire in the end of this year. He's yep. on Astana. Bam. Um, okay. I would recommend it to people. I really would. If you're cycling, it's well-produced. It's got some stuff. It's also a good recap before you watch the Tour de France this year. 
Agreed. and then send it to all your non-cycling friends. See if they like it. See what they think. Um, most of mine like it so far, um, which is good. So yeah. Anything else, uh, Benji? Or ah, we'll do Tour de Suisse tomorrow. Imagine, imagine if we had this of historical races. The Tour de France was it 2010, for example, or 2011, Contador 2010, Schleck, I think. Baby. Schleck Contador, the chain gang, a uh, chain gate. People are too polished nowadays. Yeah. Schleck, they, those guys are like, fuck that guy. Yeah, for a, that yeah, was people amazing. are way too polished nowadays. I'm so I'm I'm anti-polished. Like, I agree. Can we have a bit of people saying, you know, you know, okay, you don't need to be Bernardino punching people in the face, but, and the thing is, I know the writers all say, they all say the same stuff as 10 years ago about other competitors yeah. and shit talking. Of course, it's competitive sports. Like, well, they're tr maybe there's no trash talking about. Yeah, but it's, on, it's a knife that cuts on two edges here, eh? because on one end you've got, was it? Simon Yates that announced at some point going to the Giro d'Italia, <laughs> everybody needs to be scared of me. Shitting that was, themselves. That was fucking amazing. Everybody Incredible. should be shitting themselves, he said, because yeah. I'm coming to this Giro d'Italia and I'm going to win it. That's basically roughly what he said. And on the opposite end, I'm also going to be the one that's going to laugh if it fails. <laughs> yeah, of course, but that's, but that's part of being a heel, man. Like, I don't think people aren't built to be heels. Um, they don't want to be a heel. And there's yeah. a lot of value in being a heel. If you embrace it... I don't know what a heel is. Like Conor McGregor. A polarizing... Like Conor McGregor. If, imagine if is someone... Is like, chair dude? Conor McGregor. The dude that throws chairs at buses. Yeah, the MMA fighter. Yeah. Wasn't well, he yeah. the guy that threw a chair yeah, at the bus? Threw, That's the only threw, thing I know about him. He threw a trolley, yeah, at, at the bus when Khabib was in it. So, um, that's, that, maybe they don't need to do that but imagine end of the Dauphiné final stage Vingard says Paddy Pagasha should be shitting himself right now <laughs> like dude we'd have, we'd have enough content to talk about oh for my a god week. we forgot the part of the tour before where Pogacar said Vingard why yeah. should I be scared why is this it, not in here exactly that's not, no but that's <laughs> what I mean I think they have because UAE's press officers didn't have any veto yeah they didn't want because that is fully out of context yeah. To use that. Um, that would be funny, though. <laughs> to use that is, would be outrageously out of context. And they didn't do that. It would be fucking funny. Imagine you play it as if it's the pre-stage interview of Colton Bernal. He said, good morning, you go. If I was producing, I would have done it. <laughs> Dude. Uh, and I think, yeah, they actually... And so, yeah. Anyway, let us know what you think. I'm sure people have thoughts in the comments down below. We obviously, you know... Despite, you know, complaints, this, whinging, that, Score. I overall, overall enjoyed it. What's your rating? Um, as I've dwelled on it a little bit more, six and a half. Really? You're, you're actually lower than me. No, but that's like a harsh, been that's a harsh scale. Today. Like The Last of Us, I have at nine, with one of the best TV episodes I ever watched in that. Which one was the best for you? Um, the gay couple. Oh, that was amazing. That was I oh, start crying so much. And anyway, quite less to say. That was a that was a that's one of the best TV episodes I've ever watched, dude. Agree, agree, agree. <laughs> that's a, anyway. that, that whole series is a nine. So ten, next ten, episode ten is like unfathomable. Next episode of our Netflix reviews will be a Last of Us review. It's coming up in how many days? Um, I need to rewatch it again. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to do it, but. Yeah, what's your rating? So six and a half. No, six and a half is like a, it's like a B. 
I was gonna go seven What's and a half. That's like a B plus. That's like an A minus almost. I don't fucking know what a B plus and an A minus is, my friend. I'm Belgian. We don't do that here. How do you grade exams in Belgium? Seven out of ten. Eight oh, out you 10. do it like out of a number. Yes. Percentage. I think six and a half is. That's. I think that's fine. What do you think? <laughs> no. What do you? Again, I already said my scale is as a harsh scale. Yeah. Um, like the wire is yeah, a nine. Nine you can't you can't compare this to a TV show. Eh? Let's be honest about it. Westworld season one is a ten out of ten. If you take only season one, it's ten out of ten. I cannot compare the Tour de France and Chain series to Westworld. Yeah, I, I'm well, comparing this to other no, documentaries you... in cycling. And okay, the Michael Jordan, one, The Last Dance. No, I've, you can I've compare it to other sports docos. Well, I'm limited in that. Cycling docos. I'm going to rate it to cycling docos. <laughs> no, so, you can't. Okay, is it better or worse than El Dia Menos Pensado? It's worse than El Dia Menos Pensado. I think so. A it little is bit, yeah. better than the Yumbo doc. It's probably just better than the Quick Step doc as well. It is. You can't compare it to the Lotto doc because that's a 30 minute YouTube video. That's quite nice. You know it's a good one, though. Yeah. <laughs> okay, man. I mean, yeah, I think six, six and a half is, yeah, it's a B. And like the average drive to the average Formula One fan, if you polled yeah. them on what they thought a pre-existing fan on season one, they'd be like probably four, two, three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's all, I, I think it was yeah, uh, very watchable. Would you know? I probably would watch again. Um, no problem. All right, already that started rewatching it. Really, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna watch one and two again. That was our review. Of the Netflix series, let us know what you mm -hmm. think, what changes you might like, what was your favorite episodes, who was your favorite characters, who would you like to see included? Uh, maybe Benji will be on there next year as a talking head. Um, I wish. Stay tuned. I doubt um, they would want that <laughs> after today's episode. I thought we were more than fair. I thought it was yeah. positive and negative. Yeah, what we liked, okay. what we didn't like. Anyway, that's all from us. We'll see you with Swiss Stage 3 and 1 and 2 recaps tomorrow. Till then, ciao. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 